I, I was thinking of like St. Joseph. Without saying a word in the Gospels, he shows us the importance of Christ. He shows us the relevance of Christ in our life. And all these guys, kind of like St. Joseph, they're not saying a word. They're just carrying up candles, carrying up these flowers. And without saying a word for all to see, everyone in that church understood this is important to us. This really matters. Hey y'all, welcome back to Native Soil. It is hard to believe, but it is season two, series two, episode six, and this is going to be our last episode of this series, of this season, and we'll be taking a break really until the fall. We're going to work on this summer doing some promotional activities for Native Soil and boosting our social media game and things and just kind of regrouping and getting a vision for some interviews and episodes come this fall, but it's hard to believe that we're here at the end of season two. Uh, I know all of us here, we're just grateful to all of you for following, grateful to the Holy Spirit for guiding this, and just excited to see, you know, what the Lord wants to do with it, you know, how he's going to take these episodes, plant them in the seeds of our native soil, and hopefully this will, this will bring about renewal, it'll bring about creativity, it'll bring about inspiration, you know, all throughout the diocese. So just excited about what the uh, what the future holds and and uh, where we've come so far. So in this, in this last episode, I want to reflect on an experience I had about a month ago, and I just had the grace, the blessing to be at St. Ignatius's dedication of their new church. I had no real reason to be there other than I was free and I got invited and I said yes. They had the former pastors, they had uh, fathers Connor Peyton Plesla, uh, who grew up in that parish there. Uh, they had former associate priests there, and I was blessed to sneak in and be a part of it myself. But it was maybe the most beautiful mass I've ever been to. Now, I know that might seem hyperbolic, but um, it, it, top three for sure, but maybe the most beautiful mass. And there were so many things converging. I mean, the weather was just incredible. It was here on our native soil. I'm sure that had something to do with it. The church was incredibly beautiful. The ceremony, I'm going to get in all the details of why this was so beautiful, but a number of priests and even, uh, you know, lady, we're all talking after, we're like, that was intense. That was so beautiful. And I had heard Archbishop Brody talk about the dedication of a church. I had experienced one when I was in high school, uh, Holy Spirit Parish, where I grew up. We got a new church when I was in high school. I remember serving for it. I remember being very meaningful, very poignant. Uh, very much felt, you know, the Holy Spirit moving and, and being honored to be there. But just being at a more mature age, being a priest, being able to kind of sit back, soak it in. There are so many reasons why um, that celebration resonated with me. And I think it does tie into a lot of things we've covered. And one of them, you know, our first series of season two, we were looking at the history of our diocese kind of then and now. Here's some pieces of our history and here's how it's being played out now. That was one of the first things that, that struck me so much was uh, the new church at St. Ignatius, the, the, the stained glass, the interior, the altars, the Station of the Cross all came from old uh, St. Joseph's Parish downtown that was closed. And it was so poignant because it was so beautiful that such a beautiful church was able to be kind of salvaged and reappropriated in a place 
where the faith was being lived out. That was a big theme throughout the Mass in the words of the liturgy and the comments even of the mayor who came, uh, Mayor Stimson, Archbishop, and his homily, was a building is just a building, sacred as it may be, but we are the living stones. And the beauty of our churches, the power of the Word of God, the Eucharist, this building is a place that draws us all in there to be changed by the Word of God, to be changed by Jesus himself in the Eucharist, and to go out and transform the world from there. And it was just awesome to see the, um, the history of our, of, our, of our local area, the history of our native soil being preserved and kind of adapted. You know, the faith has to evolve and adapt over the years for it to continue to survive. And you could see that in the building itself. I feel like it was, the building itself was like a perfect capstone to the end of series one where we're looking at, okay, here's, here's where the faith is in our history. Here's how it's being lived out today. And it was just like a tangible representation of that baton being passed on from one generation to the next. And a lot of the descendants of people who grew up at old St. Joseph's and went to the old school there before it closed, their descendants are at Ignatius and participating in that faith community, the living stones, you know, be, passing the faith on. So that was one of the first poignant things that really struck me. Um, the other thing, the, the mayor was there, which I thought was really neat. Some some local uh, city officials were there. I thought that was really cool. And and the mayor's comments, you know, he talked about how important the faith in all of our hearts. But also he said that this is a gift for the Catholic community, but also for the city. And that really struck me. I felt that a lot through the through the celebration that this is this is a this is an offering to God. You know, and anyone who drives by the church, you know, driving down Spring Hill, at the very least, can think, man, these people believe in God so much, like, they did this for them, you know. But it's so beautiful. It's so well done. Um, it's a gift to the city. I think that was a great um, thing to highlight. And Father Shields talked about the building campaign for it was do, build something beautiful for God. And that's really the object of our life, is to build something beautiful for God. And a lot of people had to come together to build that church and to donate to it. And all these people, they were giving testimony, just countless hours of people volunteering to help clean things in the church and clean the marble and reappropriate things. And how true that is with our life. You know, so many people have to really pour into that for us to become the beautiful churches, the cathedrals that we we're intended to be. That was the whole spirit of cathedrals uh, in the Middle Ages was this it, it, it's really emblematic of our Christian lives. It's like one brick at a time, you know, one window at a time. You know, the Lord is building something beautiful throughout our whole life, you know, and, and you know, he intends to create this new creation in Christ. So just a lot going on there. Um, the dedication itself, if you've never been to one, it's just the church at its best when it comes to its symbols, when it comes to just kind of striking to the heart of our faith, uh, you know, with its symbols, with its liturgy. Um, the Easter Vigil is way up there, but now experiencing a dedication, I mean, this is this is way up there. And Archbishop Brody is an amazing teacher. He's an amazing, he did an amazing job celebrating it. But the liturgy itself, that's one thing I was thinking about, like the liturgy of a dedication of a church itself teaches us what the church is. And Archbishop really brought that to life as the, um, as the liturgy went on. But I encourage all of you, if you can Google and find like the, the liturgy of a dedication of a church, read the words of the prayers, read the words of the readings. 
it is so instructive about what we're all about as a church, as a parish. And one of the really uh, poignant things right at the beginning, you know, we started in the old church. The, um, you know, the Eucharist had been removed uh, the, the night before after the vigil mass and, and been taken to the Adoration Chapel. But everybody's in the, the old church and thank yous are done and everything. But then we process to the front doors of the new church. And the bishop leads that procession. And um, the people who really help build the church hand a key to Archbishop. And as the shepherd of our native soil, of our diocese, he receives that key, you know, that symbol of authority of uh, the whole church, and particularly this parish, and he very ceremoniously passes it on to Father Shields, the pastor, and says, like, I'm entrusting this church building to you, but also anew, I'm, in, I'm entrusting the whole parish to you. And, you know, as we've been reflecting this year of the parish, it was such a striking moment of, you know, the bishop, that apostolic reality, you know, of being the shepherd of our native soil and him having the authority and entrusting, like, this part of our native soil, I'm giving you the key. Like, you are responsible for this building, but for all of these people and all the spiritual well-being of people in this place. And the pastor accepted it and unlocked the doors and everybody walked into the church, which was really just a building at that time. It had not, you know, been dedicated, consecrated. So that was one poignant thing. It just really highlighted like the reality of native soil. It highlighted the reality of parish and our responsibility for it. And in that key, it's such a such a profound image of responsibility, of authority, being given to Father Shields to share with all of his people, to build up God's kingdom, to build something beautiful for God there in um, the 08 of Mobile. So that was one thing that was that was really powerful. Um, there's so many, there's so many other parts of, I mean, there's one really beautiful part where, um, they build a fire and they put a fire on the altar and they put tons of incense in it. And it's all representing, Archbishop explained, well, this represents our prayers being, uh, lifted up to God. You know, when we see, uh, in Revelation and we see in the Old Testament, um, this is always that symbolism of, Incense being used in prayer as a symbol of, of our prayers being raised up to God. And this sense of this will be a place where our prayers are lifted up to God, very much so coming from this altar. And the, the lights of the church have yet to been turned on. And this huge incense cloud, bigger than I've ever seen, rose above uh, the altar and really only went about halfway up the church and just kind of hovered over the altar and over the, the congregation. And I was talking to Archbishop after he goes, yeah, that's exact. It was just perfect because it, it did exactly what it was supposed to symbolize, you know, and like the glory of God that hovered over the meeting tent where Moses was and that led the Israelites, you know, through the Red Sea. It's like this, this, the glory of God just like hovering over the people. It was, it was really poignant and just, um, it just kind of highlight, man, like we're here to like worship God. We're here to invoke God's presence. Another thing that really impressed me during it was there's a certain point in which the altar was, uh, after the altar had been consecrated with chrism, Archbishop rubbed chrism over every inch of the altar. He walked around the church anointing the walls with chrism. And um, after, after the altar had finished being, and the church had finished being um, anointed, 
they they set they dressed the altar for the first time, and some ladies of the parish came up first and dressed the altar with linens and with the two principal candles. And then after that, they had this huge train of men who carried up all of the uh, candlesticks for the back, kind of rarer dose, the back altars, the side altars. They had these huge flower arrangements to set all around um, kind of the altar area. And it was from old to young, it was men dressed in really nice suits, carrying this stuff up. And there was one candle that was lit first. The deacon brought it to the bishop and said, you know, this is the light of Christ. And, you know, may it shine, you know, in this place and people's hearts. And then all the other candles were lit from that kind of Easter vigil style. But the thing that really struck me as this was happening was so much effort, so much careful detail went into this celebration. And to see particularly these men dressed in suits, the nicest clothes they have, carrying up candles used for worship, carrying up flowers used to worship. It just struck me, you know, I I was thinking of like St. Joseph. Without saying a word in the Gospels, he shows us the importance of Christ. He shows us the relevance of Christ in our life. And all these guys, kind of like St. Joseph, they're not saying a word, they're just carrying up candles, carrying up these flowers. And without saying a word for all to see, everyone in that church understood this is important to us. This really matters, you know. And as it was unfolding, I was thinking to myself, I was like, this is one of the few masses that's like more ornate or more kind of ramped up than like a wedding, for example. Like for weddings, we go all out. We have good music. We have flowers, all this stuff. But here's like the whole congregation, the whole people of God for their parish church are bringing out flowers. They're bringing out candles. The men of the parish are engaged. They're processing up with things. They had a combination choir of McGill Tulin and St. Ignatius Choir. It was just like all hands on deck. We're worshiping God now. This matters. Um, and I think I would imagine, I know for me, but, but for people there, um, it meant so much to see uh, the men of the parish carrying those things up to see, you know, ten or twelve priests up on the altar sitting there, and um, there's something about that. You know, men who sometimes can be seen as disengaged with the faith. You know, particularly young men, they're like the last people you're going to think are going to be like engaged with the faith or care about the faith, and to see all of these young, old, and everything between men worshiping. And, and obviously like a ton of money had to be raised to build this church and there's beautiful stained glass and there's all this, all this manual labor that had to happen for this church to be built. But then to see it filled with people with real faith, filled with these living stones who are like willing to worship God in this way. I think everyone just intuited in that moment, it was like a reminder, like, wow, like God is real, the Eucharist matters and this is awesome. Like it's it's worth us kind of putting our, our best foot forward to worship God in this way. All that kind of reminded me uh, before that I was I was talking to some guys from Christ the King and they were talking about serving mass at Holy Week. These were these were juniors and seniors in high school, and they're talking about how awesome it was to serve all of Holy Week and how Father Gabe had instructed them and um, and you know they had to have practices and. And, you know, they might have just had one or two things to do, but they're saying how awesome it was to be up there and to worship God during Holy Week. 
Dylan Stein, he's a former seminarian. He, he's the youth minister there. He served with them. And one of the things I was reflecting and telling them was, is like, you know, to be a priest, it's not like rocket science to do what you have to do during mass. Like if you can read and like put your arms like this for a while, like you can do the logistics of mass, but it's way more than what you do. It's, it's, it's who you are and, 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 and who you are and where God is calling you to be in that moment, to be there and to be offering yourself as a sacrifice in union with Christ to the Father. And I told these young men, I said, for y'all to just be at the Mass, even if you're just washing hands, even if you're just holding one candle or, or doing the incense or whatever it is, you don't know what an amazing witness it is for everyone else there to see you giving the sacrifice of your time, of your presence, to be there and to be involved in the worship of God. So one of my favorite things back when I was in the parish at Christ the King was doing Holy Week and getting all these guys to serve. Um, and so many people would say, like, it was just amazing to see guys that weren't just willing to show up to Mass because someone dragged them there, but they believe in God and they want to be part of that worship. And that was the same kind of feel I had at that dedication was like kind of a reawakening, like Jesus really matters to us and we're willing to go to great lengths to honor him and worship him with great fervor. And um, it was pretty powerful. It was pretty powerful on a lot of different, a lot of different uh, ways. And two, it just kind of reminded me too, like we say the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. Like everything flows from it, everything flows to it as we worship God and we and we welcome him into our presence and we welcome him into our lives. But I think one of the challenges for all of us on our native soil, everyone listening, everyone who dies to think about is, does our participation in the Eucharist reflect that? That this is the source and summit. This is the most important thing in our life. Jesus is the most precious thing we have. When we come to Mass, we worship Him and honor Him in the best way we know how. You know, do we, are we willing to be involved in the choir? Are we willing to be involved in decorating the church? Are we willing to be altar servers? Are we willing to read? Are we willing to clean the church? Are we willing to sing loudly? Are we willing to read the readings before Mass and engage in the homily and stay awake? You know, Are we willing to get ready for Mass in enough time to get there, not the last minute, whatever it is? Um, mass is like that, a dedication, a wedding, an ordination. It just kind of makes you take a step back and be like, wow, like such planning, such attention to detail went into this celebration. And it kind of can refocus and say, okay, what are we bringing to the table every Mass, particularly Sunday Mass? Like, there is no higher solemnity than like Sunday Mass, like the day of the resurrection. We're gathering to worship God. Like, this is the most important thing we do. So, and then you see a Mass that's just done with that fervor and that kind of, when that robust of a nature, I think it challenges all of us is, well, what is, what's our parish Mass like every week? You know, what's, what's my participation in that? Because the thing of it is, as Christians, we all have a priestly character. And priest means to sacrifice. But in the Christian sense, it means self-sacrifice because Jesus shows us a totally new kind of priesthood than the world had ever seen. It's a priesthood in which the priest, the one who is sacrificing, is sacrificing himself. He's making the offering of himself. And so I think that that's 
we all have to think about that when it comes to worship is how are we sacrificing ourselves to make a gift to God? How are we sacrifice? What are we willing to invest in order to make this deeply meaningful? I mean, Jesus is going to do his part. He's going to show up and offer his self as he does every time. But what are we bringing to the table? So I think all of these things were kind of swirling and, um, one of the images I really like someone point out to me, you know, a lot of the, the artwork in the, the new St. Ignatius Church comes from St. Joseph, but one of the things they had specifically designed for the church is up in the, the top of the columns. And uh, a local artist had developed it, and, and at each column there is the staff of St. Joseph, which according to kind of legend, kind of flowered into a lily at some point, and that was how he was chosen to be Mary's wife or Mary's husband <laughs> is what he was. So his staff, a lot of times you see him holding lilies, and one of the ancient things was they were trying to figure out who Mary was going to marry, and they put a bunch of staffs from a bunch of widows uh, together and prayed over it, and one of them blossomed into lilies, and then that's how Joseph got to be selected. It's a, it's a story, kind of a legend, but it kind of symbolizes his purity of heart and just the special anointing God had on his life. So anyways, there's this flowering lily, and then on either side is uh, a dove. And one of the things that those represent are the two doves that Joseph brought to be, uh, to be offered to God and sacrifice as Jesus was uh, presented in the temple. So a lot of times if you see an image of the presentation, if you go to the nation's church, they have a, a stained glass of the presentation. You'll see Joseph is carrying a little uh, cage with two doves in it. But the reason why I bring all that together is Joseph is one who sacrifices for Jesus. He goes the effort, you know, to, to buy these pigeons or these doves that are going to be sacrificed in honor of his son, you know. Um, and I think it's a way of us thinking about is like, what are we bringing? Like when we come to the Eucharist, like Joseph is there with Jesus in the full presence all the time. And when he brings him to the temple, uh, you know, he, he brings him in a spirit of worship, and part of that spirit is like something tangible, something concrete. And so he offers these two, two doves. And so I think one of the challenges St. Joseph gives us is to think about what are we bringing to the table? What are we willing to sacrifice for Jesus? What are we willing to sacrifice to deepen our spirit of worship, you know, at Mass, um, but in our daily lives of faith as well? So... Um, it was an incredibly beautiful service. There's so many other aspects about it. Talk to anybody who was there. It was just something very special. And I'm sure if, if you've been to a dedication, you had the same kind of feel. But I just wanted, I felt like it was a timely experience to have. And I just offer it to your own reflection as we kind of end um, this season to just think about what do we want, what, what are we willing to do for Jesus in the Eucharist? What sacrifices are we willing to make so that we don't, it's not just in theory, we say, oh, this is the most important thing, it's the source and summit, but how is it that people come to our parish's celebration of the Eucharist and they intuit? Like when I was at that dedication, I guess that's what it was. You kind of intuited without anyone saying anything like, this is the most important thing in our life. Like this is more over the top of a wedding. It's more over the top of any celebration you can think of. And it's because Jesus is here. It's because God is being worshiped here. How can that become more of a, of a regular experience on our native soil and our experiences of Eucharist?
in our parishes. And perhaps St. Joseph can help us to consider what that's going to require out of each one of us to do in order to create that kind of an atmosphere in which worship is palpable, in which its significance is intuitive, in which, in which everyone there, at no matter what age, knows that this is the center of our lives, this is the most important thing to us, and it doesn't even have to be explained. How can our lives reflect that, you know? We are what we worship. If we worship Christ that fervently, we will be changed by that. And how is it in our daily life? People see our life, they see what we do, they see the way we treat people, and they know like Jesus is the most important thing to this person. Worshiping God is the most important thing to this person. And they intuit it because they see how you live and they see how um, you go about your life. So um, those, are, those are my final thoughts for this, for this series, for this season. And I'm so thankful in God's providence I got to see that dedication. And I think it can be a great um, just reminder for all of us moving forward, you know, the Eucharist, the parish, St. Joseph. How can we celebrate these things such that the world knows here in our native soil that this is the most important thing to us? And as we've seen, you know, in some of our previous episodes, Michael Zogby was talking about this and Mary Young was talking about when you put God in the center everything else tends to fall in place. You put God in the center of your family, you put God in the center of your life, everything else kind of finds its proper place. So if there's one person who knows Jesus' proper place, it's our Blessed Mother. So we're going to ask her to help us to place him more and more at the center of our lives. So let us pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And through her powerful intercession, may God bless all of you listening and our native soil, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless y'all. Look forward to seeing you back here in Season 3 on Native Soil.